it's Fern here, popping in quickly before the show because I really want to hear from you. I'm forever grateful to you every single time you press play on an episode of Happy Place. And this show really is for you. So in the interest of doing more stuff that you love and less of the stuff you're not bothered by, I would love it if you took a couple of minutes to fill out a little survey for me. The link will be in the show notes. Your input on the content and the format and the guests and all those types of things is so important to help me and the Happy Place team shape the future of Happy Place. So just click on the link in the show notes to share all your thoughts and musings. I appreciate you loads. Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the podcast that actively encourages you to slow down a little bit. I'm giving you permission. I'm giving me permission. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm incredibly excited to be chatting to the first shaman we've ever had on the podcast. It's Joe Bowlby. We have the intellectual mind, we have the emotional mind and we have the heart mind, the soul mind and we have the spiritual mind. And the last two have just been ignored because in the soul it's our imagination, it's a sense of stillness. Well, a sense of stillness in today's world equates to laziness. You know, you've got to be doing. You know, doing is seen as good. And when you have done something and you've achieved something, generally the next thing someone says to you is, what are you going to do next? Jo is a spiritual coach. She works with everyone from ex-special forces soldiers to great thought leaders. And recently, me too. I'm not sure how I fit into that list. I only met Jo a couple of months ago, but really, really loved reading her book. So I thought she'd be a super interesting person to have on Happy Place to share how she helps people rediscover a more natural pace at a time when we're all so bloody chaotic and busy with the demands of everyday life. Jo herself has learned from incredibly wise humans, from Buddhist scholars in India to medicine men and women in the Amazon rainforest. And I absolutely love talking to her about how we might be able to get back to valuing wisdom, wisdom over intellect. They're different things, as you'll find out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, let's do this. Here's the show. Hello, Joe. Hello, Fern. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm really happy to see you today. Um, I feel like I need some Joe vibes. I've had a weird week. I need some good vibes. I need some wisdom. That is what I'm aiming for today, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> okay, so obviously I've been very lucky to, to have met you and worked with you a couple of times now, and I'm deeply interested around the work that you're doing as a shaman, and you are the first shaman that we've had 
on the podcast. Um, I've been lucky enough to meet a few over the years and I'm always so excited to to listen and learn and read and all that good stuff to expand my perception of life. And that's what we're going to be doing today as well. So for anyone that hasn't come across a shaman before, heard a shaman speak, worked with a shaman, what exactly do you do? Okay, well, originally the shaman was the member of the tribe who was the, it was a one-stop shop. They were the psychologist, the philosopher. They told the hunters where to go and find the animals. They were the ones who kept the fire alight. They were the ones who were looking at the nature of life rather than just the theatre of life that we all live in. Today, it's slightly different. Um, again, a shame, well, first of all, there is no such thing as a pure shaman, you know, pure shamanism. So everyone works slightly differently. And the reason for that is it's, it was an oral tradition. So it's come down from grandparent to grandchild. And obviously, grandparent chucked out the bits that didn't resonate with them and embellished the bits that did. Yeah. So it's, it's constantly evolving and changing and moving with the times. But it's about being part of your community and helping those in your community uh, with everything from mind, how to understand the mind, the landscape of the mind, how to stay connected, how to realize that you're part of something way bigger than just your everyday stuff. I mean, this is what I love that all, all of the all of the wisdom that, that you talk of and and the things that you've certainly taught me and the things that you write about in your book that I have right here. Um, this is all learned stuff that's that's come from generations and sort of globally all around the world. And I know that you've worked with shamans the world over, medicine men and women, gurus, Buddhist practitioners, etc. And to to listen again and learn from their wisdom and combine it with your own and then share that with the masses because these messages need to be delivered, especially now more than ever. And it's so interesting because... Wisdom is so underrated in the modern world. Like it's probably the key to well, it is the key to life, like having wisdom and curiosity around wisdom, but it's so overlooked. And we are so obsessed with intellect and expanding the mind intellectually exclusively that wisdom sort of seems maybe a bit fanciful almost. And that is that's a massive shame. Mm. We've we've lost our confidence in everything but the analytical mind. Yes. So we want everything to make sense. Everything has to be explained logically and with rationale. And we're not computers with arms and legs. You know, we are people. And when people are craving their soul's purpose, when they're craving a meaning in life, it doesn't come from the analytical mind. It comes from that place beyond words. It's that is that I call it the soul, someone else might call it heartfelt, but we all know it. It's that song that just talks to a deeper place in us. And when someone goes, why, what's so great about that song? You're like, I can't explain it. Yeah. You know? And it's the painting that stops you in your tracks. So it's that deeper place in us. And we're not just, we've, we think that we're just intellectual, but we have emotional intelligence that we all understand. We have spiritual intelligence. We have physical intelligence, you know, whether you can be coordinated and, you know, hit the tennis ball. So what I'm trying to show people, I'm trying to re-educate people about that place beyond words because that is where change happens. 
That is where stillness is. That is where we find our meaning and our purpose in life. And that's where the magic is too. Because the- The magic. Exactly. Because the one thing about the analytical mind is it, it reduces us. It's a finite place and we're not finite. We're ever evolving. And we need to be in touch with that essence of ourselves, which opens us up to infinity and all possibilities. Well, with, with those sort of boundaries in place, there's no room for magic. It, doesn't, it can't exist within the intellectual format. It, it, there's no room for it. And, and I certainly, I need that bit of magic. Otherwise, I do just feel very, very flat. But of course, this isn't stuff that we're taught in school. You know, again, there is... There is one sort of ascent at school and it's to climb the intellectual ladder and to get straight A's and to intellectually expand your mind within now, what is it, 11 subjects, whatever it might be. And wisdom, again, is is completely pushed to one side. But also, you know, looking at the subtitle of the book, 10 Steps to Spiritual Wisdom, A Clear Mind and Lasting Happiness. Happiness doesn't factor at all when it comes to learning at school. And then I guess when we leave school, we see happiness as something that we can strive for, perhaps, or something that is just lucky. Oh, lucky for you that you're happy. Or maybe I'll have this lucky moment and I will get this great thing that will happen and then I'll feel happy. But you categorically say in the book that we all have the potential to feel happy. Some people might hear that and go, no way, I I could never feel happy after what has happened to me or my current situation. So how do we, what are those blocks and and how do we move past them? Okay, so as you say, at school, we're, we're taught how to expand our minds. We're taught how, you know, how to do well in life. And that's all based on fear. It all comes from a good place. You know, it's our parents wanting the best for us, society wanting to keep us safe. So if you ace your exams and you get that job and you've got money in your bank account, you're going to be okay in life. And yet people aren't. So it's, it's very much about the first thing we all have to do is understand how our mind works. Not, not what's on our mind. I mean, and this I go into in the book quite a lot. Not what's on our mind, but the actual mind. And so when you can actually understand that the stories that we tell ourselves about life, you know, about events which have happened, and sometimes they are tragic. And it's not about whitewashing tragedy or things which have really changed our lives. But the story we wrap around those events is in our control. And that is where the suffering is. Mm. So when you realise that, it's a game changer. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot this week, if I'm really honest, with, you know, certain minor things, nothing completely traumatic, but things that have certainly triggered a response in me that I know is an old tape that I play that, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy or whatever it might be. And I don't just isolate the event and go, okay, that stung a bit, moving on. I then wrap around the story from the past that then becomes, as you've just said, the suffering. So I understand it, but sometimes I don't have the propensity to do it, to live it. How do we get to that place of going, this is just a story, I can let it go? You have to understand that it's a limiting belief. Now, this is where all these ancient traditions really excel because what they did was they created a mindscape for us and our mind is sort of this intangible invisible thing that we're not quite sure is it us is it not us 
And yes, it's consciousness running through us, but what dictates how our life is, is the things on our mind. So it's the limiting beliefs that we've learnt, you know, when we were children, perhaps. It's the stories that have made up our experiences. And we get controlled by that. It's like the wizard behind the curtain, really. So when you can start seeing what's on your mind and then start detoxing, a little bit like you know, we do it in our houses every, you know, we spring clean our cupboards, we change our clothes, but we never, we never have a look at our minds. So we've got minds full of stuff that we've never even looked at since we were children. So there's a chance that your limiting belief about not being good enough is something that started when you were four years old or five years old. Yeah. And it might be time to just let it go. Yeah. We just carry it around and, and we sort of go, oh, that's just me. That's just how I am. Rather than, like you say, sort of getting curious about it, poking around in it, and then hopefully getting to the place where you can let it go. You know, In the book, you, you talk about these blocks that we're sort of riffing around um, when we're looking at trying to get a clearer mind and lasting happiness. And you say we've got to let go of our subconscious comfort blankets. Are they exclusively self-limiting beliefs or what else might they be? Um, they normally are. They're conditionings too. They can be conditionings that we've grown up with within our family. So if our parents were afraid of certain things, they might have, to protect us, gone, oh, don't go that way, go this way. And so already your world has closed down a little bit. It can be society's belief system. It can be a cultural belief system. So yes, it is all, if you work on the premise that everything we do in life is to be safe. Mm. And from that, and we conduct our lives accordingly. So it's a primal instinct in all of us. You know, it goes way back you know, 30,000 years ago when you had to make sure that the environment was safe. And that's why we become controlling, you know, not only of our environment, but of our lives and the people around us, because we want to know what's in front of us. Yeah. We're trying to constantly preempt. So our limiting beliefs and conditionings are all, again, you know, they stem from a good place. They're coping mechanisms. They're coping mechanisms and they're just to make sure that we don't get tripped up. I think people feel such a lack of safety, possibly now more than ever. I mean, I've only lived in this era, so I can't, you know, completely dissect that one. But, you know, we're not we're not being chased by dinosaurs uh, and we're not being faced with sort of World War Two on a, on a very physical, real level. But we feel unsafe. We don't we don't feel like we can relax into life. And I think one of the reasons is potentially because, you know, this is something you talk about a lot in the book. Our minds are exhausted, yet we don't even realise it. We've completely normalised it. We imbibe information all day long. We're constantly subconsciously processing everything, you know, newspapers, the internet, news, gossip, things that people have said to us, stuff subconsciously on a societal level. And our brains are literally like they've hit a wall and we haven't realised. I certainly, you know, that resonated with me massively when I was reading about that. So because we've normalised it and we all just think, well, this is the modern world, this is how we have to live. We all just crack on and push through, but so massively to our detriment, which I guess results in that feeling of, I don't feel quite safe. I feel, I just feel a bit on edge. I think it's sort of that, there's an epidemic of that at the moment. 
Well, it's the pace of life that we live in. Yeah. And, you know, if you think that the pace of life has sped up exponentially in the last 30 years, let alone the last 30,000 years, uh, and when you're going at that speed, you're, you lose a sense of connection. So if you imagine being on a Japanese bullet train and trying to look out the window, all you're going to see is a blur. Yeah. You know, if you're on a nice Swiss choo-choo train, you know, in the mountains, <laughs> you, you can, you know, you've got the nice time to check the Edelweiss on the side of the, you know, love it on the side of the mountain. So that's the problem. So we're, we're disconnected. Again, it's back to relying on the analytical mind and ignoring these other parts of us, which are, so if I was to explain it to you, we have the intellectual mind, we have the emotional mind, which is probably what most people are familiar with. We, we, we sort of dance between the two. And we have the heart mind, the soul mind, and we have the spiritual mind. And the last two have just been ignored because in the soul, it's our imagination, it's a sense of stillness. Well, a sense of stillness in today's world equates to laziness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're not doing anything. You know, you've got to be doing. You know, doing is seen as good. And when you have done something and you've achieved something, generally the next thing someone says to you is, what are you going to what do next? next? What next? So you're not even allowed to sit and take in what you're doing. Oh, I'm caught yeah, in that I'm, trap, all right. I'm so caught in that trap. Constantly. I know I am. And I still do it. Right. Right. And then if you don't have another idea or you don't know how to expand on something which is already amazing... You feel, well, I'm not good enough or I'm going to get forgotten or I'm a loser. Or, and this happens to all of us. Yeah. So we have to start embracing stillness again, not as something, it's, it's not just the yin to the yang of doing, you know, being and doing. It is also that place where we, our imagination opens up. It's where the magic comes in again. Sorry, I will always refer to the magic in life because it is that awe, it's that magnificence yeah. that reminds us that there's so much more to life, you know. Mm. And that is that stillness is more like a portal than a destination. So, again, in meditation, that's one of the times where we can all access that stillness with a little bit of practice. Yes, and, you know, it's interesting because... We've, we've mentioned the word spirituality a few times and it's obviously in the subtitle of the book, A Book for Life. And it's it's a subject matter that I'm I've, I've always been deeply curious about and have played around with and at times have been, you know, quite sort of committed to and at other times have really lost my way with. But of course, for some people hearing that word, they'll kind of flinch. They don't want to hear the word spirituality. They don't like it or they poo poo it or it puts them off you know, reading about something or learning about something because they feel that's not for me. I'm not a spiritual person. I've never had a spiritual experience. My own take on it, and it's perhaps not a, an educated take on it, but it's one led by experience, is that all of us have experienced spirituality in some way from those, you know, those moments of magic that, you know, we might even not necessarily use as markers for life, but, you know, when we are in awe of beauty or something, an amazing connection happens or we find meaning beneath the surface level of life. But I wonder how how would you describe living a spiritual life or is it even possible to describe what spirituality is? I think so. Um, spirituality is life. And I think in today's world, 
I think, first of all, in recent times, spirituality and religion got very interlinked and confused. Yeah. In today's world, you know, they're not interchangeable. You, know, you can be spiritual and religious. You can be spiritual and an atheist. You can be spiritual, as I say in the book, and a scientist. Yeah, it might make them recoil, but <laughs> spirituality, just as the scientist is looking at the outside world to try and make sense of it, all the spiritual masters of old were looking at the inner world to make sense of it. So it's exactly the same thing. They were the intrepid explorers trying to make sense of the nature of life, of why we are the way we are, how to become the person you want to be. And that was going in, not going out. Yes. And that is what spirituality is. Okay, th this is this is something, again, that like m massively jumped out at me in the book. And it's... It's kind of obvious, but I'd completely overlooked it, that we we think in our lives that if everything in the exterior world is in place, how we want it to be is reflecting back at us what we want to see and everything feels like, oh, yeah, my life is good, then we will be happy slash OK. We don't really even think about the inner world. Some people might not even know what that is. What is the inner world? How do I feel it? How do I engage with it? How do I improve it, have a better relationship with it. How do you explain that? How can you explain what that inner world is or feels like and how we might take a deeper look at that rather than always constantly projecting, imbibing, feeling let down, projecting again, hoping that everything looks like it's in place? It's <laughs> a very good question. You know, there's internal voices which are giving you the constant chatter of what you've got right and what you've got wrong. Oh, yeah. I know them, that's all right. Going, that's going on in your inner world. Yeah. So it's, it is your essence of you. It's your understanding of your life. It's how your experiences will affect how you see the outside world. That's why you need the landscape. And that's you know, when you can understand that, then you start having control of this mind. Now, mind... Some people think the mind is the brain. It's not the same thing. It's in the same way the evening news is not the television. Yes. So you need the brain to access the mind. Now, what you were saying about how, you know, I've got to look outwards or people feel they have to look outward to find their happiness, to find that sense of freedom. Freedom is a state of mind. So you can be the richest person in the world and be living in hell if your mind isn't in balance. Yeah. So first stop for all of us is looking after our mind and making sure that it is healthy and it isn't in a state of anxiety and not fearing anxiety or fearing any of these emotions as well because they are just signals that we are coming off balance. And we can be coming off balance because we're overtired, we're working too hard, or we're not listening to our inner voice and we're just going along with the crowd. We're not dancing to our own drumbeat. And we might have even lost the hearing of our own drumbeat. You know, we might be so disconnected. It is simply ways of showing us that we are disconnecting and we need to stop, slow down, peel back everything that we're doing, find our balance again, and then go again. Yeah, I think we. it, it sort of requires a lot of time sitting with this thought and a commitment daily because unless we have that, we're so easily sidetracked because 
on a societal level, looking at culturally what is projected at us, politically, massively, what is projected at us. We are taught that the outside world is the only thing that exists. The inside world, don't worry about that. Just keep, you know, doing this to achieve that, to get that, to have this, or to define yourself as this so that you're at this level on the hierarchy and people are above you or below you or whatever. And we are encouraged daily, even on a sort of level of advertising to only look at the exterior world the interior world is this sort of hidden secret that no one talks about because it's so much harder to obviously control someone else's inner world without the exterior bit so we have to do the work to have this relationship with ourselves because so for instance this week I got a bit of an ego dent this week right so I put all of my self-worth in the hands of others so I gave my self-worth to the exterior world oh yeah you guys tell me that I'm a piece of shit and I'll I'll go with it and I've had to work really hard this last few days to go right but what do I believe what's going on in my soul what's going on inside do am I a piece of shit and to really question that but it, th- this stuff takes work because it, it's so normalized again that the exterior world is everything mm totally and when something like that happens often the thing that where we feel like oh we haven't we've been rejected or something hasn't worked for us we don't even take into account the fact that we weren't into it in the first place <laughs> and that perhaps it might be a wonderful opportunity where we can step back and go do you know what i'm going to go into stillness I'm going to allow my imagination to fly and I am going to make sure that I am actually living the way I want to live and doing the things I want to do. So sometimes these moments in life which kind of jar with us in the outside world and perhaps because society has this definition of success which is so skewed and broken and we know that because more and more people are talking about their mental health Yeah. More and more people who have had everything that society would go, yep, tick 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 tick. tick. Yeah. You've you've done it all. So if that is all a tick, why do they feel empty inside? Yeah. Why do they feel lost in life? You know, anyone who has succeeded in life should be on top of the world. Mm. So how come that doesn't work? Yeah. And then we have to ask ourselves, all right, what is it that is stopping me living my life to the full? And it is normally because we are not listening to ourselves. I I know that for sure personally and I guess one of the the main reasons is because, you know, w- w- obviously within that stillness we find the present moment which we're so reluctant to sit in. We're so reluctant to go, what is happening right now? Am I okay now? Let me just enjoy or at least observe this moment. We're constantly projecting into the future or being dragged into the past. You know, I find myself oscillating between the two or being pulled both tiring, ways isn't at the it? same moment. Yeah, you know, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I just want to be here now. And But again, you know, that takes, again, perhaps discipline, but a, a daily commitment to, to seek out the stillness. It does. But, it, you know, especially if, well, most of us will come off balance, you know, our mind, you know, one day will not feel as good as we did the other day. What happens is we get caught in the virtual world of thoughts and our body and our mind separate. So our mind is somewhere over there. And we can even be having lunch or dinner with a great friend and we're listening 
to a, a conversation in our head and not with the person that we really want to be with, you know. Yeah. And so what we have to do, and this is where mindfulness, which I think quite a few people know about now, really comes into play. Because when you're in the moment, i.e. when you call your mind back into your body and you settle, even for that instant, you're reconnected. Yeah. And that's not a time when your mind can go into, and you can't be anxious in that moment. You can't be, you know, your mind is just quiet in that moment. You know, if you look down, I mean, I say this to sometimes with clients, just look down at your hand and you look down at your hand for that split second, your mind goes quiet because it's going, well, why am I looking down at my hand? Yeah. So there's a, there's a wonderful technique that um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Zen monk who has this place called Plum Village in France. Every 15 minutes, the bell goes and whatever anyone's doing, they have to stop and just take three breaths and then they can go back to whatever they're doing. So mid-conversation, cooking, prayer, whatever they're doing, they have to stop. And it's just that moment to go, how am I? Where am I? You know, it's like, oh, wow, I was off thinking about being in the Amazon rainforest again or whatever it was or Tesco's. Um, and you go, no, come back. God, get How me to I? Plum Village. Get me to Plum Village now. <laughs> well, you can, want we to can, go. But we can all do it. We can just set, yeah, set every an alarm 15 on our minutes phone. on, yeah, our, so on our phone and just take that breath. It's so and true. Just go, and these are things that we need to do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, so these moments of mindfulness are essentially helping us break the spell of this illusion of life that we buy into. So this was something I was deeply fascinated about in your book, the notion of reality. And when we say the word illusion, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about the world doesn't exist. This is all a fantasy. But there is, of course, a sort of a reality and then the illusion that we buy into. Exactly. How do we break that down? How do we realise within our own worlds what is real and what is not? What is worth concentrating on and what is of no importance? All right. So when we think of reality, we tend to think that it's an objective thing that we all see the same. And there is one level of it where that is fact you know a tree is a tree and fish don't climb them you know, <laughs> if you if if you walk into a tree you know I've yet to see someone be able to walk through a tree yeah. you are going to hit your nose it's going to hurt it is a very basic level of literal reality that is where it stops so let's take the tree so tree is a tree walk into tree hurt your nose that level at the emotional level you like the tree, you don't like the tree. It's an ugly tree, it's a scary tree. It's a nice tree to have shelter under. It's all opinion. Yeah. Then at the next level, the tree becomes acorn to oak. It's symbolic of a journey of life. It's, it's representing something much bigger, the hero's journey, the epic tale. 
And then at the next level, the tree, if you were to look very closely at it, say with an electron uh, microscope, you suddenly lose its form of being a tree and it's just atoms and molecules just like us. And perhaps that is what it means to be at one with the world when you actually start realizing we are just the same. Yeah. So where we have to be careful is that we can assume that, oh, it's a doggy. Well, basically, if you think that it's a doggy dog world, that is what you will get. Yeah. The universe has got an amazing way of proving you right. Oh, God. it's a, That is a painful lesson to learn and understand and I feel like I learn it every week at the moment like it's I'm like oh yeah of course yeah so I felt like that and then that transpired brilliant you know it's so it's an ugly lesson that I think we so often come against and once again we have to go back to questioning our own thoughts and we'll be able to do that with clarity in moments of stillness it all comes back to us sort of it's not rejecting the modern world, but at least making room to push it to one side for a moment to get back to these sort of more historic, esoteric understandings of finding space and having that clarity. It's it's so important. And I, I'm sat here even now going, why don't I let myself do this more often? You know, what what am I so scared of? Well, you said, you mentioned earlier about people slightly recoiling by the word, you know, spirituality. It's a bit Marmite. And perhaps that's down to the fact that, you know, it can be full of metaphors which can be misunderstood. But all these ancient traditions, you know, all, you know, whether it's the Buddha or a Taoist or a shaman of old, they were spending their time, all their time, trying to understand the world of our minds. And that is the key. So nothing has changed for us today. Everything is the same. The human condition is the same. Anxiety, they had anxiety. They had depression. They didn't feel safe or lost or lonely. You know, this is what they spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours trying to make sense of. That is why it's worth paying attention. Absolutely. But en masse... It feels like we haven't learned any of the lessons. And this is the bit that, again, I felt sort of a bit sick in my stomach when you very plainly say in the book. So if we look 30,000 years ago, we can see that from from then until now, we have had the most remarkable advancements in technology, how industries work, uh, the digital world, how society has sort of grown and established itself culturally, pop culturally, all these things have had these huge, monumental advancements. But when we look at how we find happiness, stillness, inner peace and clarity, we have had zero advancements. (laughs) Zero for 30,000 years. None. Probably regressed. We've probably regressed. I sat there and went... we've got less time. I feel a bit sick about this. That is terrifying that we've got, yeah, I can look at my phone, I can talk to someone on the other side of the planet. Yeah, Elon Musk can go to space, whatever, mate, you know, knock yourself out. Mm. We're not happy. (laughs) I mean, that is mad. In 30,000 years, we've had no advancements. Like, can we, is it possible, oh, this is a big question, is it possible en masse for us to go back to a simpler, more esoteric, a, a wiser way of living our lives, or is it too late? No, it's not too late, of course not. We... We can all do it today. 
Mm. Yeah, it is about starting to honor honor the sense of being and not just be devotees to the idea of always doing. So it is doing bringing little things into your life to make those little changes. It's not this you don't suddenly have to don saffron and wear crystals and shave your head and go and retreat to the Himalayas like a yogi and sort of say om every five seconds. Mm. It's That's not it. And that's where we've got confused because we do spirituality. You know, we have our life and then we have our spiritual life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And never the twain meet. And when we actually realize that, okay, yes, you can once a day at six o'clock in the evening or whenever it is, sit on a meditation cushion and meditate. Or you can actually meditate throughout the day. Yeah. Because in meditation, all you're actually doing is allowing yourself to go still. When the thoughts come through that they will, you cotton on to the fact that the thought has come, you pay attention and you come back to your breath or whatever your anchor is. Well, you can do that on the school run. When you suddenly realize that your mind's gone off God knows where and you're not even you're actually driving an autopilot and all you can hear is noise as soon as you notice that just come back yeah feel the steering wheel in your hands you know have a look come back to your senses so that's all you're doing is just coming back to your senses and that is what spirituality is it's just trying to enhance your life not change it yeah you know, you live the life you want to live and then let these little techniques and insights and pieces of wisdom and practices make it better. Yeah. Like you say, it's not it's not separate from us. It's not separate from our lives. If we want, we can see it as well, it is. It's our life. The The rest is just distraction. We're just constantly distracted from it. So we need to rid ourselves of the distraction and come back to the purest form of life. What is actually going on in that moment, which, you know, none of us do often enough. And another part of the book that I was very fascinated in, because I've been at times really forced to look at my own shadow self, is that sort of the darkness and the secrets and the things we don't want people to see about ourselves. And we've all got one. There's, you know, I've said this many a time before, but even shiny people like Beyonce, she's got she's got a shadow side. We've all got a shadow side. Bits of us we don't like, things that have happened, secrets we keep. And we try and suppress it. We try and keep it from the exterior world. Like, I'll create a new persona. No one will know that this thing happened or this is going on in my head right now. I'm this person. Look at me. I'm coping. I'm dealing with life. But we've all got this sort of sack of shit that is, that is there. And, and you talk about in a way that, you know, we're sort of simultaneously embracing that that shadow self, but we're not dwelling on it. We're not we're not we're not identifying as just the shadow self, but we're sort of befriending it. How do we get to that place? So our shadow self, often we don't even know what's in it. Yeah. But and one of the ways to know what's in your shadow self is that everything in the shadow, all those characteristics and traits that we would rather people didn't know about us, whether it's being greedy or bragging or whatever it is, yeah, which we might have been told 
when we were children that that was unattractive, or we might have seen it in a film, or we might have seen it in other. It's all visceral. It's all got an elect. It's sort of like an electric charge to it. So we can recognize our shadow by how we are charged by other people. Now, no one, no one likes to hear this because mm. you know, if I say to you, think of someone who continually irritates you. Yeah, got one. Or, <laughs> <laughs> Take me a split second. Yeah, a split second. Now, what is the characteristic that they have that really irritates you? Mm, Yeah, I've got it in my head. Now you've got to own that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's That's a part of you that you don't Don't like. like. I know. Or you were told you don't like. Because there's that really irritating observation that when you point your finger at someone, three fingers are pointing back at you. Yep. I mean, it's again. It, it takes some. Um, it takes some real kind of courage to go there with that one and go, yeah, okay, I can see that, and I can see it in myself, and you know, and then not to berate yourself, but you know, because you've noticed that totally to not. to find acceptance in that, like, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's that. I mean, if sometimes you can say to someone if they if they can't think of someone in their everyday life, you go, well, it can be someone in history, yeah. So when you're thinking of someone, you know, who's absolutely someone to a poor, you know, more often than not, Hitler will come up. Um, You go, well, what is it, the characteristic of, you know, Hitler that you find so abhorrent? And perhaps it's cruelty or... Discrimination. Whatever the word is that hits, yeah, discrimination, whatever it is. And, you know, invariably someone will go, I'm not that. (laughs) I'm I'm not a murderer who, you know does that it's like no 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 one's saying that you are that but you might have the potential to be really cruel and it might be in a conversation with your loved one it might be that moment where you know full well that you're doing something that's cold and nasty now the flip side of this is in our shadow is also our light and it's those moments where we're too embarrassed to step into our power or put our head above the parapet and, you know, go for, be the best, you know, at something. And we've been told perhaps not to brag or not to be a show-off or a smarty pants. And so we slightly keep our light under that proverbial bushel. And that again, so you can play the same little exercise on that. Now think of someone that you truly admire Mm. and that you think, can you think of someone? And it might be someone in your life. Yeah. Or it might be someone in history. Yeah. And you think of the characteristic that you truly admire about that person. Mm. And you have to own that too. I always weirdly have it with um, like sports personalities. And I, you know, obviously I'm not, sporty and I don't do anything competitive in a sort of sporting sense but I'm so full of admiration for the it's the dedication and I and I do know that I have that within but I do absolutely hide behind that shadow of oh well I I don't want to push myself too hard in case I then take my eye off the ball with something else in life or my family or whatever it might be so I can totally see how how that relates and it's so interesting again to to dig around in in the shadow and to have a look at what's there because we are constantly trying to either ignore it or suppress it but surely and correct me if I'm wrong that's impossible it will always manifest emotionally or physically no, not necessarily. So, for example, I used to, I can remember as a child always being told not to be too greedy. 
I, I was always going for that extra chocolate brownie. <laughs> yeah, well, someone had to have it. Yeah. Um, and so... I always had this thing of being very mindful about, you know, not taking more than was my fair share. And so my shadow would come up when I saw that someone else would happily go marching in, take the brownie, do whatever it was and think nothing of it. When I actually followed the sort of energetic track back to the root cause of why I felt that about people you know it's like oh they're so greedy you know how can they be like that yeah it was mine it wasn't yet that they were just doing what they were doing I actually then let it go and when I let it go I can now watch and I'll just smile at someone and go good for you yeah you have it (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and and that essentially leads us to live a more authentic life because we are being truly us and that of course leads to a more connected life which is having empathy compassion work collaborating seeing other people truly and seeing their authenticity so and flaws and flaws and it's and that's why it's so important to acknowledge that shadow because it leads to something quite beautiful mm. i mean we live in a, a world today it's a pretty airbrushed world of mm. everyone's got to be perfect you know, and, you know, well, perf- perfection is flawed, you know, but, and also quite interestingly, perfection and the pursuit of excellence are two very different things. So in Taoism, perfection is akin to death. Wow. Yeah. Because once you've reached it, they game won't. over, done. Yeah. It's finite. It's finished. Pursuit of excellence opens up. So then suddenly, and it often comes from our mistakes and our failures in life. Yeah. So we live in this world that we, you know, through social media and just generally that we're trying to always show our best selves. And by doing that, and then we're actually watching other people do exactly the same. And even though we do know that they're playing the same game as us, we believe it. Yep. And so then we feel lesser than. Oh, it, it's such a mind warp and we're doing it daily. And it and it's absurd because, of course, no matter what we're putting out on, say, it is social media, for example, or it could just be going on the school run or turning up to work and looking immaculate and appearing to have your shit together. When we turn that phone off at the end of the day or we get into bed and turn the light off, all the shadow stuff's still there. We can't actually edit it away and nor can anyone else. Like you just said, when we look at others and we think, oh, they're nailing it. It's so perfect over there. Look at that. Of course it's not. Everyone has this. And that's, again, a a means for us to connect with others. Like I've got flaws or things in the shadow that I'm looking at. And I know you have too. And and having that acceptance of of our own shadows and other people's. That, again, I guess is is how we're going to feel connected to people. Absolutely. But also, you know, when you look at someone else and you go, oh, my God, they've got their shit together, they're nailing it. uh, You have control over the fact that you don't. So it kind of, uh, no, I haven't. I'm useless. I'm no good. And so you kind of you, you can have that safety of knowing that you're never going to be as good as them. And that's, you know, yeah, you're the loser. Mm. And it it's a little bit like we love to be in control. And even if it's our anxiety, sometimes actually being 
anxious and worried, at least we know what we're doing. Yeah. And in that moment, we can actually go like, we're safe because it's yeah, predictable. No, I'm busy. Yeah, it's predictable. I've done this yesterday and the day before. Yeah. I know how this works. <laughs> Don't interfere. <laughs> I'm being anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of scary when someone comes along and goes, why don't you try this? You know, and you're like going, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I've had this for years. I know, I know how it works. And you're like going, yeah, yeah, but why don't you try the breath or, you know, try lots of different, and sometimes they don't work. You know, it's not that, oh, somebody's going to come in and, you know, change your anxiety, but opening up is quite scary because you're suddenly going into the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And then who are you going to be when you're not the anxious person? Yeah. Who are you going to be when that's not your identity anymore? When you can't fall back into that? Now, we all get anxiety, you know, and we will all get varying levels of, you know, mental turmoil. And it's not to, it's not to belittle or dissipate that at all. But we do, we can sort of feel safe within the identity. Well, this is who I am. And what we have to remember is we are more than our story. Yeah. We are more than the labels that other people have put on us and we have put on us. Yes, you might be that, but you're more than as well. You're not the sum of it. I think we all carry that, don't we? we? We've all got either I'm useless in relationships, I always fail at work, I'll never be as good as so-and-so, um, I'm rejected so often, uh, I'm I'm anxious. And we really, again, it's that, that self-limiting belief and we live within that story. And of course, nothing is possible outside of that story because we believe it. And, you know, it is scary to let that dissipate, but really it's it's liberating. It's really, really liberating. And that's at the heart of spirituality. Yeah. It is actually trying to show you that you are more than your story, that it's to remind you of how you're connected to this amazing planetary cooperative. You know, it's we're all part of the web of life and we all deserve to be here. And how we are in everyday life affects other people and it can change other people's lives just by that smile that you make. And they might all seem so inconsequential, but they're not. Yeah. And when we think of the environment and nature, you know, it's not the backdrop to our lives. You know, we are nature. Yeah. You know, we are absolutely part of it. What the tree exhales, we inhale. You know, and that reminds you that you are always connected. And that's actually a really beautiful thing when you are feeling very low and you are feeling. Because the one thing that when our mind comes off balance for whatever reason and we have unease or turmoil is we start to feel disconnected. We start to isolate and we feel very separate. And the more separate we feel, the more alone we feel and the more distance we feel to everything else around us. So these little steps of, you know, even going into nature and people tell us this and we go, yeah, 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 nice idea. But no, 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 go sit under a tree, you know, and actually have your back to a tree. Go watch the bird, you know, singing and have beginner's mind again and that is the most beautiful way to reconnect. Mm. And it's just little, little steps. And beginner's mind is something that we've all lost because we're so cynical nowadays. It's all like, oh, yeah, done that, been there, got the T-shirt, read the book, whatever it is, yeah. same, same. If you can 
look out at the bird singing in the tree and you go, yeah, bird, because we label everything. Yeah, bird, seen that, fish, yeah, seen that, fern, yeah, all right, done, no hurt, yeah. It's like, hang on, have you actually, bird singing in tree, forget that it's called a bird and forget that it's a tree, how? It's amazing. When you look up at the sky and you see a blanket of stars, you know, or you see the full moon looking down on you, it's like, wow. And we're not that tired of it because we all spend our you know, hard-earned money going around the world to see a certain waterfall or do something. And because it's our first time, it's amazing. Mm. But, you know, it's all around yeah, us. Beginner's mind. And with the people's. But you actually even do it with the people you know, the people that you see today. And actually just pretend for the second that you're meeting them for the first time. That's what we do when we fall in love with people. We give them all our attention. You know, we're fascinated by everything. And then we're like, oh, yeah, we know that. (laughs) Yeah, bored of that. irritating habit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I love that. I think beginner's mind is, is such a wonderful thing for us to just all keep in our sights because it's something that we can keep coming back to, even if that sort of notion of presence or stillness isn't quite attainable yet. Coming back to beginner's mind and seeing everything fr- in, with fresh eyes is, we can all do that. And I, I, I kind like of- Like a child. Like a child, yeah. I kind of found myself doing it out of necessity yesterday. I went for a walk, I was feeling really grumpy and I came across this amazing tree. I mean, it was just sort of breathtaking. I'd never seen it before. It's in my local park. And it had gone all sort of red and burnt and gorgeous. And I just stood there looking at it, just admiring it. And just really, there wasn't really much thought. I just stood there going, that is so beautiful. That is so stunning. And I kind of, again, I did it out of, it was an SOS moment. It wasn't like, I'm going to treat myself to a nice walk. And I do need to apply it to that more. And yeah, just see it all with fresh eyes rather than sort of tired eyes. But we don't. But you don't need to apply it to that more because you did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did it in a crisis moment rather than just a, I'm going but to do this for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beginner's mind is a Zen practice. And it's, it is, a, they also call it no mind. And it is a beautiful thing to do. And I, if I do any practice on a daily basis, it's that. I'll just try and, I mean, I live just next door to the river. I've got a beautiful bridge that I walk over every day. And I'll, I'll just pretend it's the first time. And when they light it up at night, which they do, I pretend they're doing it for me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. My bridge. Your bridge. Yeah, we need to, we need to do, I reckon everybody listening to this now just needs to give that a try today. Just see everything with fresh eyes and, and, and sort of drop the labels and get, you know, tuned into the awe of it and the beauty of it and, or even just the uniqueness of it. Like we've got, this is so random, but we have these, peregrine falcons that just hang out in the church spire opposite my house and they go for periods of time they just came back this week and again we all just stood there going oh my god they're so loud and they're they they're swooping so unbelievably quickly and it is a moment of that is cool that is seriously cool to see that in action happening right now it's um it's a beautiful thing and we can all do it and I urge everyone to do it today. I certainly am going to keep that in my sights for the rest of, well, not just the rest of my day, hopefully the rest of my life, Joe. That is the plan. Um, I've just loved talking to you today. What an absolute joy. I adored reading your book. I found it immensely helpful and I've made tons of notes in the margins that I'm going to keep going back to. And um, 
I hope to see you soon. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great fun having conversation with you. Oh, it really was great fun. I so loved that chat. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's obviously only so much I could draw from Joe's incredible mind in that hour, but there's even more in her book for you to read about. It's called A Book for Life, 10 Steps to Spiritual Wisdom, A Clear Mind and Lasting Happiness, and it's out now. As well as following Happy Place on your podcast app, you can also join us on Instagram, Happy Place Official. Come and tell us what you have seen with fresh eyes, childlike eyes today. I'd love that. I'd love to know. Let's start a conversation about that. Thank you again to Joe, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you gorgeous lot for listening. I'll see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.